Hey, hi, I'm Bonnie. Welcome to this podcast, Make Joy Normal, where we chat about homeschooling and family life. With my co-hosts, Elizabeth and Christina, we address your questions and topics in a way that can create more joy in our lives. Please submit any questions you have by email or voice message in the links in the show notes. If you found this episode valuable, please share it with a friend, like, or leave us a review. That's how we get the word out. Thanks for trying to make joy normal in your own life. Good afternoon to all my listeners, and welcome to my guest today, Jenna Bo. Uh, welcome, Jenna. Uh, Jenna and I are going to talk about some um, some things that she's doing right now, pertaining particularly to feeding our children, and it's a good follow-up to the Nourished episode that we, uh, we did a few weeks ago. Um, we just want to remind you to be sure and subscribe to... Press like, and if you can leave a comment, it's really helpful for our show. It gets more attention for the people who really need to hear this message. So uh, so it's a really great thing if you can spend a few minutes doing that. So uh, welcome to you all, and welcome, Jenna. I'm so glad I'm so glad you're here. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Bonnie. I've listened to the podcast for about a year and just loving it. Awesome. I'm honored to be a guest. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, I, you're just kind of into some cool stuff. So I wondered if you could, first of all, just tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, so I have four kids. I've got three boys, ages nine, seven, and five. And then I just had a little girl five months ago. Um, oh, nice. We, yes, we moved over to the East Coast. We lived in California for 11 years, and we moved over oh, wow. in South Carolina to be closer to family in 2020. Okay, mm-hmm. awesome. And your, do you mind if I say your baby's name out loud? Oh, no, of course, Lucy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we had a Lucy. Lucy's really popular this year, but we had her Lucy in 1991. And she's like, I just, I love the name. I just love it. So yeah. it's always yeah. been my girl name. And I never, ever thought that I would have another baby or another yeah. girl. <laughs> there you go, right? So yes, yeah. so thrilled. Oh, that's it's fantastic. Fun. Especially after having um, three boys, it's really fun to have a little girl. It really is. We did the other way around with three girls first, then three boys, then ended off with a girl, you know, but it, it is fun to have both, right? And you, like, it's really distinct, like the girl years and the boy years were really distinct from each other, right? So, oh, yes. They're... Yeah. <laughs> Already, I can see how different they are. <laughs> I wanted to, if you don't mind, you're a recent convert to the Catholic faith, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, do you mind sharing a little bit about that? I'm a convert as well. Of course. So basically, I was raised Protestant. My mom um, was a Catholic and was raised in the Catholic Church and kind of walked away from it in the late 60s. Um, After she moved out of the house, she married my dad and they became Anglican. And I was okay. raised pretty much non-denominational Presbyterian. And um, we went to Presbyterian Church in California. My husband and I got married out there. And um, yeah, I've, I don't know. I've just been doing some deep kind of soul searching in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I was in a Bible study with my old church. And it was a very intense Bible study with six other women and I just was kind of battling some theology issues and sort of asked myself for the very first time, well, what do I actually believe? Because I've always just been go with the flow, just go with the church that we've always gone to. Um, A lot of that was based on the personality of the pastor. Do I like the message? That kind of thing. Yeah. And so I found myself really questioning, like, what do I actually think on these issues? And that led me to researching and learning more about Catholicism which was a huge shock. And I have to say, it's not really even what I was looking for at the time. 
it was a very right. it was a hard a hard decision, and um, it involved walking away from a church that my family and I really loved just a year and a half right. ago, and going through RCIA, my husband and I went through it together and yeah, we, we love the Catholic church now and it's, it's wonderful, but it definitely was, um, I don't know. It it was different. It was, it was different to convert as an adult, but we love it. And I'm still kind of reveling in the, the beauty of it all. It's so amazing, isn't it? And the, the, the further along in your journey, so I converted when I was 27, but I converted from nothingness. So I had no, no Christianity, the richer, the more we got to know the faith, the richer it was. And, and, oh man, I just, I am so grateful. I'm just so grateful that God led me here. I feel that especially. Yeah. Yeah. So your husband came in as well. He did. He did. Oh, that's amazing. Well, welcome. (laughs) I told him him that he was basically a closet Catholic for years, just because it's very much in line with his theology. And during hard times of his life, he found himself going to Catholic churches, but we never thought about it. Like, oh, I should like convert. And it was was kind of difficult to tell my mom because she didn't really understand. Um, because she had walked right. away from the church so long ago, but it's been amazing. And she's been doing the um, Father Mike Schmidt's catechism in a year with me this oh, year. Oh, good for and her. Has just been very interested in learning more and loves to come visit us and come to church with us to mass with us on Sundays. So it's it's been really That's good. Amazing. And actually her and my dad um, started going to mass back in their city too. So it's been really interesting. Okay. Well, that ripple effect is so, so often can happen, right? When people, I don't know. I mean, I think then we, we discover sort of this fullness of truth in the church that Christ uh, created, right? His followers were, were, you know, I mean, we use a Catholic and people think of it as a denomination, but when you understand that it means universal, this is, this is Christ's church, right? And of course they're all, there's truth in all churches, right? But, you know, kind of to know the foundation that we sit on is just so powerful. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. So what, have you always homeschooled? We started homeschooling in 2020. My okay. oldest son then was in kindergarten and he went to okay. the public school um, in our neighborhood in California. And it was an excellent school. It was one of those public schools that was really, really good. And I had okay. never considered homeschooling before, but then everybody got sent home in California in 2020. Yeah, And we really loved homeschooling. I sort of threw myself into researching all the different methods and we've always right. loved reading aloud. I mean, I'm a such a reader and a writer, and I was okay. an English teacher in college, and I we just we found ourselves just reading through the whole like Laura Ingalls Wilder series together oh, on the couch, and cutting math off for a year because he was only six. Yeah, um, and just math, a lot of math. Who would rather read? Um, but so we started doing that and we just never sent the kids back to school. And at that time I had, so Grayson was six and my other children were four and two. So they okay. weren't school aged yet. Right. Um, so we never went back. Oh, that's lovely. That's amazing. It's, it's a great lifestyle. I'm just going to make a comment about la- math in case people misinterpret what I'm going <laughs> to say, but, but it is one of those things that when we, 
math is basically set up. So, you know, kindergarten, you introduce these things and then grade one, you introduce these things at a slightly higher level grade two. It's cyclical, right? Um, so we're always yes. sort of introducing the same kinds of topics, but we just introduce them at a, a slightly higher level. But if a child I always think, well, if you, if you, if you're just, if you want a soft start to homeschooling, unless your kid's a real math person, then obviously that's where you want to start. But if they're not, uh, and you want us to do a soft start just by reading together and kind of making it really pleasant and establishing those patterns that if a child didn't learn, say that you didn't really teach them any formal math until they were 10 or 12, even um, the reality is that you could introduce those concepts and they would understand them at a much higher level. They're not going to understand them at a six year old level. They're going to understand them at a 10 or 12 year old level. And so it is one of those things that, that waiting on, or even sometimes pausing because your child is maybe getting frustrated with whatever they're working on. So, you know, just press pause, um, take a few months off and then come back to it. Their, their capacity to understand is, is greater, right? I can definitely yeah. attest to that. I mean, I've done that with my oldest son. We've taken time off of math. We've tried every math on the market and I'm very happy with like where yeah. we are now in math. And I have, I just, it, yeah. but it took a lot yeah. to get there. Definitely took some pauses because I think that boys just learn differently. Um, and for him, it wasn't worth, yeah. it was not worth It's it not worth the relationship price tag, right? <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. And there's so many other ways you can organically oh, yeah. introduce math. Yeah. I mean, we love to cook. So that's just something that yes, was natural that would for be us. a wheelhouse for sure. Which kind of is a good uh, play into our next, our next uh, topic is that sort of publicly your presence online is as a foodie and a food blogger, right? And your website's beautiful, by right. the way. It's just absolutely, it's just really attractive and that it's appealing. But the byline was the thing that, um, that really got me. So the name of your website is Eat, Live, Run. I'm going to ask you to explain that for a moment. <laughs> But the byline is celebrating life one crumb at a time. And I just love that because if food's not a celebration, what the heck? I think that uh, I think that I'd Absolutely. love for you to sort of do a little deep dive in there with me. So what so you've been blogging food blogging for a long time? A very long time. I started the blog in 2007. And at that time, gosh, that feels forever ago. <laughs> um, at that time, I was in my early 20s and I was in culinary school. And I started it just to kind of document what I was doing in culinary school. Right. Because I thought, you know, this is this is so interesting. What does it really look like for someone, especially a female, to go through culinary school? Yeah. And so I, just, I never stopped. And it's just kind of changed and evolved along with my life. I mean, my readers of the blog have really been with me through heartache, through, I mean, through relationships, through marriage. Right. It's, it's just been so long. Yeah, that's kind of cool. And you probably have some who followed you through that whole, all those I, years, yes. right? Yes. And I feel like they feel like they know me. And I've actually met some of them at various events. And I feel like uh, sort of talking to them, I feel like I know them too. So it's been really Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's great. So when, like, did you find as you got married and started to have a family that the blog sort of morphed into kind of being family focused? It, it did naturally. I think after I had my third, I was still really trying to keep up with um, posting, right. making recipes and posting about them and doing food photography. And it just, it didn't feel, it felt like I was kind of, 
I don't know, not going anywhere just because I didn't have a lot of time. We didn't have any help. The kids were at home with me and sort of it morphed into more what I was interested in at the time, my season of life, which was motherhood and faith and that sort of thing. Food is still so important. And I love writing recipes and cooking. I cook three meals from scratch pretty much daily. But in the season of life that I'm in, I find myself wanting to write more about that. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, write, write more about the season that you're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Well, and the thing is, I mean, maybe many of your readers, but certainly my listeners, they want to make, you know, when you have a young family, you want to make food an enjoyable experience. Uh, and you want this to be something lovely. But it sometimes can get backburnered in a sense, right? That it just becomes one more task, right? My yeah. girls didn't really, I, I, I don't really love to cook, right? I don't hate it. I love mm-hmm. to feed people, but cooking is not the place where I really experience joy, right? So I cook nutritious meals. I cook, you know, my, my listeners mm-hmm. have heard this say a lot of times, but my girls didn't know that I didn't really enjoy cooking um, until they were adults because I wanted to make it, I wanted to include them. I wanted to bring them into the process. I wanted them to uh, have an appreciation from cooking and not that it was drudgery for me. It was something I had to do. It wasn't a negotiable, right? Like, oh, okay, well, I just won't cook. (laughs) But we made it pleasant, right? And I think that that's really important. Like the the whole process from from shopping to preparing to, uh, to feeding to sitting around together at the table, all of that is just so vitally important. And that's really the impression I'm getting from from what you do is that, uh, that the importance of the food is the love that is, uh, you know, you're engaging in, right? Absolutely. And I mean, that's nourishment too. Mm. Um, just that gathering. It's so important. So we really make a point to eat together as a family every day. I mean, we're all here all the yeah, time, exactly. homeschooling for better or worse. But, you know, different schedules. Uh, my kids are older now, so they're very into, they do karate several nights a week. And my husband works sometimes some long hours, but we really do try to make an effort to sit and eat dinner together every night. And it's something I remember from my childhood. We always ate dinner together and my mom always lighted a candle. And that just really made an impression on me as to how I want to raise my family. Nice. So my, um, my, like, again, because we're homeschoolers that we always ate three meals a day together, almost, almost always, right? Unless the schedules didn't allow for it or whatever. And what an opportunity to, to just show kids what a, uh, what a beautiful thing this is, right? So can I ask, so what led you into culinary school? Sort of what led you down that path in the first place? Like was, was love as nourishment kind of part of that journey? Mm -hmm. I think so. I've always just, well, I've loved to write. I've always thought of myself as a writer more than anything. And I loved food so much. In my last semester of my undergraduate work, I studied abroad in Paris and I was doing a food writing workshop and I just, I fell in love with it. I loved it so much. And I thought, how can one make a career out of doing this? Right. Um, And then time when I got back home, I found myself just I don't know, being more interested in how could I, I just want to learn. I want to learn more. And I mean, I was only 21 at the time. Right. Um, Yeah. So I I got into culinary school and I I kind of, I switched pretty quick. I was doing general and I switched to pastry. 
Okay. And that's where I really found my love. I love to bake. I love okay. to bake bread. So that's been my thing that's been constant over the past decades. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've encouraged my youngest daughter who who loves to cook and bake. She's just, yeah, she got a hold of um, uh, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. We watched the series and then I got yes. her the book and she's just like, she has become such an accomplished cook for 17. It just blows my mind. Um, but oh, she's just God. so into it, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's her place of joy. Um, and Janine, sure. who wrote that book, actually is from Berkeley, where we used to live. And I used to run into her at the grocery store. No so. way. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. She's just lovely. Just the way the way she teaches you to love cooking, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love that book. And I love that your 17-year-old loves to cook so much. That's great. It's, so my daughters all love to cook. And my boys, too, actually. Like, it's really interesting. It's, mm -hmm. you know, so I was glad that, you know, I didn't make it an unpleasant experience. <laughs> glad I didn't complain about it right <laughs> but for me it's it's I, very much about nourishing the people and the experience of being at the table together like that's really really important I'd like to maybe sort of delve in with you a little bit about first of all kind of encouraging cooking a love of cooking love of baking in your own home but then also sort of encouraging just love of table what are some things that you do in your house to uh, first of all, cook, encourage cooking, baking, um, prepping, you know, whatever it is you're drawing your people into the kitchen. Well, I don't know how popular this is going to be when I say this, but we really don't do a lot of media in our house at all. I'm very strict on screen time. Okay. But lately, I've been letting my boys watch MasterChef Junior. They love MasterChef Junior. And they think it's just so cool that kids their age are doing these cooking competitions. And so yeah. this is a new thing in the past two months that we've started to do. And <laughs> sometimes in the evening, I'm like, do you want to watch your one Master Chef Junior? And it usually like spills over to them the next day. They really want to help me cook. And we make cool. a lot of what I like to call cozy food. I do a lot of soups right. and um, stews, chilies. Beautiful. Really is my kid's favorite food. But um, it, all of this awesome. involves a lot of chopping. And so that's yeah. what I put the boys on. I put um, just big cutting boards on our kitchen table. And yes, I, I do give them knives, but they're not, they're not <laughs> toddlers. But I, I've also kind of trained them up to use equipment like that. They've always, right. before, when they were really little, you know, we had those little Montessori knives and I would stand right over them and hold their hand and show them how to cut a cucumber or a zucchini or something softer. Right. Um, so we've never had any accidents, knock on wood, but so they, they, they're really good actually. <laughs> Even my five-year-old is, is very good with his, with his cutting and I'll give them little bowls and I'll say the carrots go in this bowl, the celery goes in this bowl, the potatoes go in this bowl. And I have found that it really empowers them and they take a lot of pride in it. Okay. Uh, That's fantastic. Yeah. I think kids really do. I, I remember pulling my toddlers up, like when my girls would be, you know, helping out with it, that we did that too, a lot of the chopping or, you know, you mix these ingredients yeah. together or whatever. I'd be directing them. Having a, a kitchen island is actually so handy, right? Or a t kitchen table nearby where your cooking space is, because my oh, kids used to yeah. always just pull Something stools up to the island, and that's where they worked, so that we were sort of all in the same space. Mm -hmm. Or the toddlers, the little kids, you know, I'd give them like the carrot peelings and stuff, like that. and they would just play with them. I was like, okay, I'm okay with you playing with food. <laughs> just, yeah, it's okay. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My mom used yeah, to tell me that I used to sit when I was like really little, maybe two in a basket at her feet when she was doing meal prep at home. And she would like give me little strips of bell peppers, little bits of carrots. And you just kind of raise up kids that mm-hmm. way. And they, they enjoy those things. They don't think vegetables are yucky. They think they're great. Yeah. They think that vegetables equal yeah. spending time with mommy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that means a lot. And what about at the sort of at the table? Like if you do you guys sort of make your table experience something important? We do. I, I really am such a firm believer in um, building up the culture of your home. And that is a huge thing is the table. So every night, I mean, I put on nice music, usually classical music, we'll light a candle, use a tablecloth, wow. um, make the whole thing really nice. And I mean, I have three little boys and it, it can be very chaotic at the table, but I do set right. the tone, <laughs> you know, the prayers. Um, we like to go around and do our highs and our lows of the day, um, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And even on the hard evenings, which I mean, there are definitely hard evenings, I sort of reassure myself and say, you know, it's just little tiny drops of water just going in the bank that when they're teenagers, hopefully they'll still like us and want to sit around our table. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I think this is one of the things that that, you know, people like I loved homeschooling. I loved all the phases of homeschooling, but it was actually teenagers. And when they wanted to sit and talk with you at night and you think, gosh, you know, when I think about what I was doing as a teenager, those those sort of, you know, 15 to 20 years, even the fact that my kids want to you know have a meal with us, then eventually have a glass of wine with us and then and then want to sit around and talk to us at night when the little kids are in bed. And it's just, it's just the gratitude that I have for that, um, you know, kind of putting in the time when they're little and establishing those things. It's just, it was just like, I don't know. It's a really amazing thing. I think, and, and I, most homeschoolers who have teens will say the same, like those are the years that you really value, right? Because you know that all the years of doing that led to yeah. this and what, what would be, what's more cool than your kids just wanting to have great conversations with you. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I really consider it building the foundation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not always easy. I mean, sometimes, you know, I mean, life's messy, right? But uh, like it's like it's messy with toddlers in the sense that they're throwing themselves on the kitchen floor and having a big fit, you know, with teenagers are going through their bumps. And, and so they're not always pleasant. They're not always easy. But but it's so worth it. And the the rubber meets the road in the teen years. So have yeah. you incorporated, since uh, you became Catholic, have you sort of incorporated kind of liturgical um, things, feasts, fasts into your life more? We have, and it's it's been so much fun. It's been so much fun. So my oldest son, who's nine, is, I mean, we joke and say he's going to be a priest one day. Maybe he will. Right. But it, he is so into being Catholic. He went to That's first communion. Cool. He did his first communion last year, and he's just oh. like loves Catholicism. And um, it's been really fun, especially with him, because he's a little older to, you know, talk about more of those things. And we have several liturgical cookbooks. And we like to find different saints, it's their feast day and sort of research, like, where did they live? And what time yeah. period? And they could have eaten this. And know oh, they lived in Italy. So maybe they were that. in this. And yeah, we, we love that. And I'm really looking forward to Advent with them. Yeah. 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 Will this be, it'll be your second advent. It'll be our second advent. And 
Um, I just feel like growing up, Advent sort of got lost in my home. Right. I have amazing memories of Christmas, but Advent sort of got lost. And even last year, we, you know, I, I don't want to step on people's toes. We rushed out and got our Christmas tree the day after Thanksgiving because we always, <laughs> yeah, always. I think lots of people do. Yeah. Gear up the Christmas jammies and the Christmas movies and everything the day after Thanksgiving. And this year, um, I'm being unpopular in my house because I'm making us wait till St. Lucia's Day. Okay. Because um, my daughter's Lucy and yeah. she's named after St. Lucy. And so I was like, this is going to be so cool. We're going to go on St. Lucia's Day. We're going to have like, we're going to do the buns in the morning and then we're going to go get our Christmas tree and we're going to wait to decorate it until Christmas Eve. And my kids are like, what? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Good for you. Well, if you want to keep, we don't put our tree up on Christmas Eve. We put it up usually about a week before Christmas. Um, but if you want your, you know, tree to stay fresh until Epiphany, that's kind of what you have to do. Right? That's what you have to do. Yeah. I mean, we've always taken it down on the 26th because it's dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm looking we, forward to that year. We established a lot of um, a lot of really fun Advent things over the years, and of course, every year we'd add a little bit more until we sort of tapped out. But, but one of the things that I think my husband had, I think Mother Angelica talked about this, and so it's where he got the idea. But we had um, every day of Advent we had a procession, um, and we would sing an Advent hymn. So we sang, "Oh Come, Divine Messiah." And we would um, sort of walk around our house. We have sort of a stairwell that we can kind of do a big circle around and sing, Oh, come divine Messiah. And then stop and kneel in front of the crash and, and say our prayers, uh, say our prayers there. And the kids would all hold a candle or hold a little, uh, you know, if they were too young to hold a candle, they would hold a, one of the characters from the crash scene. And, and, uh, and it was really beautiful. And now our grandchildren are doing that. And so like, if we, if they're it. over at our house, they want to like, you know, it's time to sing our song, you know, and it's such a neat, it's such a neat thing to really, really establish your, um, your sort of habits as a family. And, you know, for us that came over several years, but what a beautiful thing then. My, my husband is French Canadian. And so the tradition that he grew up with was, was that on Christmas Eve, after midnight mass, you would have Réveillon, big feast in the middle of the night. We altered it a little bit. So we had our, we had our mass, we would go to a family mass, usually like seven o'clock or eight o'clock, something like that, because it wasn't realistic. Like what they used to do in their family, it was all the cousins living near each other and all that. They would, all the little kids wouldn't go. And I thought, well, that's not an option for us, right? I'm not going to, you know, leave our little kids at home with a babysitter or something that would be weird. So we go to a later mass, but before we go, I secretly have the whole feast set up yeah, in the dining yeah. room and um, the baby goes in the crash and, and then we come home and um, everything gets torn off the table and, uh, and there's this big feast waiting for us when we get back from mass. Oh, that is so fun. What a fun idea. It's so fun. And I'm so grateful for that particular, uh, festivity being something that um that we've incorporated into our life and really maintained and now my daughter married a guy who's um whose parents are polish they're both polish and so he was raised with all these polish traditions so they do this big christmas eve thing that's all seafood and you know it's just so beautiful to see those things happen so cool how old were your kids when you did that feast in the middle of the night were um, they young? yeah we've always done like it not the middle of the night yeah we've always done it yeah. So even when they were really young. Yeah. So we had, uh, so Albert and I 
like Lucy, our Lucy. So he, so I had a daughter already when we got married. And mm-hmm. so Lucy was our first together. So that was 91. And we basically started establishing that right away. We, we tried going to midnight mass for a couple of years and that just didn't fly. And then, um, so we moved it to a, the, like a family mass earlier in the evening. Uh-huh. And then, but you know, I mean, if a toddler fell asleep on the way home in the car, we would just put them to bed. But in general, they, they didn't, they, they all were all there. It was just, you know, <laughs> I, love that. I, I feel like with my fourth, I have definitely become um, more easygoing and type B because with yeah. my firsts, I was definitely type A and I would never even like entertain the thought of doing that because I'm like, the kids have to go yeah. to bed at seven, you know, yeah. like da, 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 da. we must stick to our schedule. And with the fourth, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm like sleeping with yeah, the baby. You have you to know? let things go, so, right? It's a little different now. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, there's just so many things you could do. And, and the reality is, you know, you could have, you could go to a five o'clock mass and come home and do whatever you want if your kids were really small and, and, you know, it seemed like a lot. Right. But yeah, I was never, I was never really sort of type A. So a, a lot of those things came, came easier for me, but I was really overwhelmed at becoming Catholic. Christianity was a whole new world. Things have become sort of came along slower and we just added one thing per year. <laughs> So do you have, no, you have a book. Could you tell my listeners a little bit about your book? Yeah, I do. So I wrote that book, what feels like a really long time ago now. I wrote it in 2011, <laughs> I think. Um, and it was really just about my experience going through culinary school. And it has recipes in it. Fun. Um, it was really, really fun okay. to write. And a lot of it is just family stuff at the time. So there's a lot of good family recipes in the book. Was it before you had kids? Yes, it was before I had kids. It was before I got married. <laughs> so uh, do you have any plans, sort of future plans to to write a book in terms of more, thing that, things that are more sort of family structured? I would love to. I would love to. Yeah. I don't think that this is the season for me to do that, yeah. but that's definitely my goal um, I would love to write more books one day. I would love to write a book about just family life and home yeah. culture and that kind of thing and include recipes. I also would mm-hmm. love to write a book. I inherited my great grandmother's recipe box um, oh. from before World War II. And I would love to write kind of like an ancestry-ish type book using those recipes, um, awesome. kind of a scrapbooky book about her life. So awesome. I would love to write more books. Yeah. One day. You must really notice too, like as somebody who loves to write, uh, you must really notice that a lot of cookbooks are very poorly written. Oh, yes. Yeah, they and really it's are. It's discouraging, right? And, and you know, <laughs> for people who are language people, it's discouraging. When we were we were in Italy last fall uh, for five weeks, and we um, we ended up deciding to we bought a little book. It was just like at a little market or something, but it was somebody's like a grandmother's little tiny cookbook in Italian, right? So my daughter and I have made a few things out of it. We sort of reading through the recipes and the way they phrase things is so beautiful. This person obviously loves to write as well, but it's you know it's more like a little booklet. But the way she phrases things you know the italian phrases so there's one translation that we were sort of working with and it's they that you play with the smells so she was saying she was making it was a stew recipe or something and she said play with the smells and and what a beautiful expression right 
to play with the smells. That is, yeah. I love that. So Italian. <laughs> yeah, I should. I'll take a picture of it and send it to you if I remember. So if you could just sort of think about, leave our my listeners with sort of one thought on kind of creating family culture or creating family sort of food love that goes way beyond, you know, uh, what you're trying to make them eat or whatever, that, uh, that how do we instill love uh, for food, right. love for family time together through food? Um, is there something that you feel has really been helpful for you? Well, I mean, something that we've always done, we never really, um, we never talked down to our kids saying, oh, mommy and daddy are having this like special, like carbonara or something. And I'm going to make you some chicken nuggets. We, we never right. did that. Um, we, I, <laughs> I sound selfish. I always cooked what I wanted to eat yeah. and what we wanted to eat. Cause I'm feeling like if I'm doing the work, we're going to cook what we want. And then we always made it special by sharing the food with our children and awesome. making, they felt like they were in on something, Beautiful. even if it wasn't quote unquote kid food. Yeah. Um, they felt special. And we would just try everything, even at such a young age, when my first, and I don't have time to do this anymore, but when I had one baby, I would make all of his baby food with like the curries and adding spices. Uh, and he's my best eater to date. Yeah. <laughs> so I sort of think that had something to do with it. But just by bringing them around the table um, and creating the home culture around the table that you, when you look back on your life, like this is what in, this is what matters, and I always try to envision my children in college or in their twenties meeting friends at a coffee shop, and the friends are like, "Oh, like what was growing up like for you?" And I really want my kids to say, "Well, my mom always gathered us around the table, and we always had good meals together, and we read a lot of books." Those are just yeah. like two very important. <laughs> That's I'm not willing to budge on those things. Yeah, and so I myself I've got to persevere because it's not it's not always easy for sure we've got vastly different personalities in my home mm -hmm. one special needs I mean there's just different different factors yeah. but when I keep that end goal in mind that this this is important and we all have so much dignity and we all love each other even though we might not always get along there's always going to be sim sibling you know bickering and that kind of thing but we are God created us to be a family and gather, yeah. gather around the table and just love, love each other and love to spend time eating and sharing. And I think that's, you know, that can be the gospel. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Did you listen to the episode that I um, did with Deb McNamara? Uh, I did. I loved it. I, I need to buy her. Book. Wasn't it amazing? Buy the book. That's kind of why I reached out to you is because I thought, you know, this, there's a whole other aspect to this that we didn't get into the Catholicism and the family, the family culture that you're talking about, which is so beautiful. But for her, it's like, okay, here's a place where we can practice attachment in something that we do three times a day. Mm -hmm. And, and so that was a, that was just a fantastic episode because I feel like if you've placed the togetherness first, that will automatically follow, right? It will automatically follow that your children will be nourished through attachment um, by the love that you serve their food with, as opposed to um, that you put nutrition, kind of nutrition first, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah it, was, it was a really, really nice episode. I've been, I'm so halfway through a book. It's just fantastic. Oh, I need to read it. Thank you so, so much for joining me. Thank you for 
having me. Oh, it's been delightful. Yeah. So uh, God bless you. And we will uh, hope maybe we can talk again and sort of do a follow up episode. Oh, yeah. To get, get a little more into the food aspect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. God bless. We'll talk soon. Bye. Okay. Bye, Bonnie.